0: Let's open our Bible, shall we? Philippians. Philippi. Philippians. Philippines. Chapter 2. You guys doing okay today? Yes. God is good, you know. No matter what happens, no matter what we face, no matter how we feel... God is good. God is good. God is good. Say that with me, will you, please? God is good. God is good. Sometimes we need to remind ourselves of that because we just get so uh, overwhelmed. That's why I like that song uh, we sang out of Psalm 61. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I because he's faithful and and God is good. Always good. Philippians chapter 2, we looked last week at... um, the section about working out your salvation to work out what's in. The outworking of God's inworking and, and not only when people are watching, but, but when people aren't watching. And to work it out to the very end, he says there, uh, for it is God, in verse 13, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to His good purpose. God's doing the work in us. The will, the want to, and the act, the doing, according to his good purpose. And, and we need to uh, work along with him and, and uh, surrender to that. Some of, the, some of the examples that we see in that passage, too, about the outworking of God's inworking, he says, do everything there in verse 14 without complaining or arguing. Uh, I don't know uh, how many of you have been successful this week with the complaining and the arguing part. people, quite a few people talk to me about the, oh, complaining, I'm going to to try not to complain. They're complaining about their complaining. (laughs) Purity, he talks about there, being children of God in the world, but not of it, to be different, to be shining in the darkness, holding out the truth, the word of life and sacrifice and service, this working out what's in us, not to be saved, but because we are saved. I want you to turn back uh, to Ephesians chapter two, Ephesians chapter two, just back one book of course. And these are the um, the key verses for this concept for this understanding Ephesians chapter two verses eight and nine. many of us have memorized these verses for, you know from our Early days, uh, when we first got saved, because it's such an important thing to know, he says in verse 8, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this, not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. We're, we're never going to be saved by works, ever. Not, sometimes we think you know, we, we get saved by grace, by faith, but then we've got to start working to keep, it, to keep our salvation. It's never going to be that way. never has been that way. However, look at verse 10 there in Ephesians 2. He says, For we are God's workmanship. We're God's work. Created in Christ Jesus to what? To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we're saved by grace through faith. But we have a, we have a purpose. We have God has created us to do good works, to do good things. And not only that, but He has prepared them in advance for us to do. He's prepared things in advance for you and I to do. Of course, we need to find out what those things are. And and we need to be asking Him, God, what what have you created me to do? What have you prepared in advance for me to get involved in? And there's nothing more exciting when you find out what that is and you are, are doing and actively involved in what God has prepared in advance for you to do. When we're trying to do things that we weren't supposed to do, that's miserable. It's miserable. How many of you try to do that? Try to do things you really were not supposed to do? You know, you try to play the piano and you really can't play the piano. You know, I mean, I try these things, you know, and... And, and, but, but, you know, you really need to know what God has called you to do. For me, I, I believe God's called me to teach the Bible and to, and to play worship, play music. And, and this is what God's called me to do. Other things I'm not so good at. I, I, you know, I, I, maybe I'm a bit of a jack of all trades, but master of none. But I know there are certain things that I'm supposed to be focusing on. And... And, and, but what is that for you? What is it that God has put in your heart and life? What has He prepared in advance for you to do? We're going to look today at two uh, examples of two people and the lives that they led and, and the service that they, they gave to the Lord. And, and these are things that God had prepared in advance for them to do. Let's turn back to Philippians chapter 2. The two people who were working out their salvation... Right, They were saved by, by grace through faith, but God had prepared works for them to do ahead of time. And the two men we're going to look at today are Timothy and Epaphroditus. And their example, the examples of these two. We saw earlier in the chapter the example of Jesus, verses 5 through 11, and now in verses 19 through 30, we see the examples of these two individuals. Let's look at verse 19, pick it up where we left off there. He says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy. Hello? Maybe that was Timothy calling. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. So he says, I hope in the Lord Jesus, and I like you know, Paul's just honest, you know. He 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 says, I hope in the Lord Jesus. He, he he didn't know for sure right then. He didn't always know everything perfectly. And and it's the same with us. We don't always know everything perfectly. But he says, I hope to send Timothy to you soon. Timothy, now, Timothy was Paul's son in the faith, and and he was like family to Paul. He was like family. He was probably saved during Paul's first missionary journey. And then he was allowed a period to grow. He didn't, you know, he, he stayed where he was. But then Paul has him join them on his second uh, missionary journey, which is when they ended up going to that place, Philippi, in Acts chapter 16, which we studied. Just before they went to Philippi, uh, Timothy was asked to join with them. And so Timothy was there with him when the church at Philippi was founded, when they first went there, and Lydia uh, was saved, and her family, or household, and then the slave girl was set free, and then the jailer, you remember the jailer, the story, he, he, he almost committed suicide because he didn't know what was going on, but... But uh, God said through Paul, I got a better plan for you. And, and he said "Is to be saved and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved, you and your household. Timothy was there and he saw all these things happen. And now Paul is saying, listen, I, I wanted and I hope to send Timothy to you. Timothy, it turns out that one of the one of the great ministries that Timothy had was that he was a willing servant. And he was always willing to go where there was a need. If Paul saw there was a need somewhere, and and Paul would ask Timothy, listen, can you go over there and talk to them and find out what's going on with them? Timothy would be willing to go. That was part of who he he was. He was helping Paul, but he was serving God and he was serving the churches. This is what God had prepared ahead of time for Timothy to do. And I believe Timothy, as he was involved in doing what God called him to do, there was a sense that he was fulfilled. There's a sense of purpose in his life. I don't think that we can feel that fulfillment when we're just doing what we want to do. When we're just, we're just you know, spinning our wheels. We're just, you know, uh, taking care of our own business and, and not worrying about what God would have for us. He says there that Paul said that that he would be cheered when he received news about them, the the people in Philippi, and Paul wanted to send Timothy there to find out how they were doing. Again, we've seen the the example of Jesus, that caring about others, and Paul, he wanted to know how they were doing. So he's about thinking about somebody, and that's the J-O-Y, Jesus, others, and yourselves. But look at verse 20. It's a radical statement. He says, I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. I have no one else like him, like Timothy. There's something, something unique there, and, and the way they click together, and, and literally, someone has translated this, no one of equal soul. No one of equal soul. There was just the, the soul. They were on the same page. They were like They they were like in soul in what they cared about. Paul could could trust Timothy. He he would send him with confidence. He knew it it was going to be right. But this Timothy, it says he had this genuine interest in the welfare of the people there. What does that tell us? He had a heart that cared. He cared about these people. Paul cared about these people. Timothy cared about these people. And really, it's about people. It's about caring about people, really, is what it is. And in the bottom line, all the stuff around us really is not going to be around. It's people that matters. We get so focused on the stuff, we forget what it's really all about. Paul says earlier in in the book, of course, that there were some people that had impure motives... They had selfish ambition. They had greed. You know, they were doing it for the wrong reasons. God would still use them because they would preach the word and God would still use the word no matter what. But, but Timothy says, this guy's got a heart for those, for those people. He cares about you. He's got a genuine, genuine concern, a genuine interest in your welfare. God forbid that we would ever not care about people. And and we, you know, as we pray each week for different missionaries and that we support and different people that we're getting behind, we care about them. We care about what's going on there. I joke with people sometimes and say, you know, I really like the ministry. It's just people I don't really care about. I'm just kidding, just in case you. Verse 21, though, Paul says this. He says, for everyone, looks, for everyone else looks out for his own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. Again, this example of being self-centered or, or like Jesus, others-centered. And you say, well, Paul said this. You know, he goes on to talk about Epaphroditus. He's kind of generalizing or maybe comparing others to Timothy. And I don't think he meant every other person. But, but there was something that Paul could see, is that it just there's so much of this self-centeredness. Uh, David Guzik, pastor in California, he said, "When Paul sent Timothy, he sent his best, a man who showed a pastor's heart and had great concern for his sheep, or greater concern for his sheep than for himself. And Paul recognized just... How rare this kind of heart was when he observed that all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. How rare this kind of heart was. Two things there in this quote. One is that, that Paul wasn't afraid to send his very best. He didn't say, I got to keep you here with me. He says, he says, there's a need out there. and Sends his best. But not only that, he recognized that there was a heart in this man and 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 you know what? That's the kind of heart that I think we should be praying. God, give us that kind of heart for people, that we would really care and genuinely care about people. You know how sometimes you're talking to people and and um, they're telling you about themselves and stuff, and 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 you know sometimes you're you're you've got your own trials, your own troubles, right? And you, you might even nod your head, yeah, and you're listening, but but. I, you know, God wants us to really, really care and be genuine when we, when we care about people and the things that they're going through and, the, and, and their spiritual lives, their spiritual growth. Paul cared, obviously, about the Philippians, that they were growing spiritually, that things were happening in their lives, that they were staying on track with Jesus, those kinds of things. But you know what happens when you have a heart like that? What do you open yourself up for? What? Hurt. hurt. Yeah. Pain. Hurt. Because it's not always that way, and it's 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 hard when you care about people and you see the struggles and the trials they, they they go through, the pain that they're facing, and 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 the sadness sometimes is overwhelming. You know, when you when you're thinking about you know other people and you really really care about them. But that's that's what God's called us to be, people who care. Look back at chapter 2, verse 4. He says, each of you, just a few verses back, each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Don't forget about the things of your your own needs and your own things, but but also to the interest of others. He said, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Again, that thing of attitude, the direction, the the way we're facing should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, thinking about other people. That's all he did, right? That's all he did was think about other people. One commentator said this. He said that the others had become engulfed in the ocean of their own private interests. They had become so engrossed in the cares of this life that they had no time for the things which are of Christ Jesus. Does this have a message for us today in our little world of homes and refrigerators and television sets and other things? Notice uh, he, he makes a connection there in that verse, in verse 21, that that. We can either be self-centered or like Jesus, thinking about others. Not those of Christ Jesus, and that's what he did. He thought about others. But we can become so engulfed in that, in the ocean of our own private interests. I mean, just swallowed up by all of it. That's when we need to get down on our knees and our faces before God and say, God, here am I. What have you got for me in this life? Why am I so unfulfilled when I have everything? Verse 22, about Timothy, he says, But you know that Timothy has proved himself. He's proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. Timothy had proved himself. There's always a time of testing. There's always a time of proving oneself. You don't just jump in and you're already, you know, in the deep end. You need to learn. You, you grow in the shallow end and you prove yourself and, 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 and see if you can be faithful. Timothy had proved himself. He wasn't just talk. He wasn't just all about words, but, but he proved himself. And you and I, you know, sometimes we want to, you know, we want to see God do this and that with us. Well, let's see. God wants to see us be faithful in the small things, the little things. Can we be faithful in the little things that he's called us to do? Not just when people are watching, not just in front of a bunch of people, but but when we're there with just us and him. He says, because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. There's something special there. He, He says in 1 Corinthians 4, Paul says, I'm sending you, Timothy, my son whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. I'm sending you Timothy, my son whom I love. There was a family relationship there, but, but there was also a working relationship. And, and again, Timothy had proved himself by his faithfulness. Again, this idea of family. He says it's like a father and a son, and, and, and he's going to talk about Epaphroditus being a brother. There's something about the family of God like family, serving together. And, and Timothy had this servant heart, and he served together with Paul in the work of the gospel. Another thing about Paul was that he, he, he knew, Paul knew that he needed fellow workers. He needed help. He could not do it himself. He couldn't do it all himself. He needed fellow laborers. And so you read, over and over again, Paul talks about different people who were his co-workers, his co-laborers, people like Priscilla and Aquila, people like Titus and Silas and Urbanus and Clement and others, and mentioned all throughout the, the book, there was always somebody that Paul was working with and that, that, that they served together with. I think God is, is raising us up as an army to serve together and, and, and see what God would have us to do. I believe that. I think he's stirring us up in, in, in a lot of different ways to see what he would have for us and, and see areas perhaps, and we'll talk about this in the last part of this section of, of taking risks and reaching out. Verse 23, Paul says, I hope therefore to send him as soon as i see how things go with me and i am confident in the lord that i myself will come soon i hope therefore verse 19 he says i hope in the lord jesus send timothy i hope therefore to send him as soon as i see how things go with me he was not sure how his situation was going to turn out but he was confident too he was he had hope in the lord he had confidence in the lord and And his hope and his confidence were not in himself, but in the Lord. I hope in the Lord. I have confidence in the Lord. That's really where it should be, right? Our hope and our confidence cannot be in ourselves, but they need to be in the Lord. Paul's example. The second example here in this passage, Timothy's number one and Epaphroditus is number two. Look at verse 25. Paul wasn't sure when Timothy would be able to go or when Paul would be able to be there. But in verse 25, he says, I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. Epaphroditus was from Philippi. And so, you know, in the... In the period of time from when the church was formed to this time now, uh, somewhere along the line, Epaphroditus had become part of the church there, whether he was from there, uh, I'm not sure. But obviously he was a servant. He had a servant's heart and he was willing to do. And the church at Philippi, they wanted to help take care of Paul. They knew Paul had a ministry of going place to place, but they also knew now that Paul was, was uh, you know, under house arrest and they wanted to help him they sent Epaphroditus with a gift to help Paul well we're not sure we can't get him out of that situation but we can help to take care of his needs while he's in that situation their their prisons and their and their situations were not like you know what we have today so Epaphroditus was sent by the church there that was where he was from some think actually that he that they had intended for Epaphroditus to stay with Paul. And they're more or less sending out one of their best to go and stay with Paul, minister, help him, serve in whatever capacity. But Paul's saying, you know, right now, he says, I think it's necessary that I need to send him back to you. Why? We'll get to that in a minute. But but notice how he describes Epaphroditus. He says, my brother, my fellow worker, and my fellow soldier, We see family, we see work, and we see war. We see relationships, we see family relationships. Timothy, my son in the Lord, Epaphroditus, my brother. We see the fact that there's work, my fellow worker, and, and, and then he says, fellow soldier, there's spiritual warfare. You know, there were all three Paul saw in his relationship with uh, this particular brother. And all three are part of this life, are they not? Mm-hmm. You know, if we, if we just focus on one and we leave out the others, I think we miss out. All three are involved. We, we, are, we are family here together. But, you know, we could just sit, sit around and sing Kumbaya and, 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 and be so happy about how f- much family we have together and, you know, just smile at each other and, and that. But there's work to do. We need, you know, we, we need to you know, sometimes just get up out of our seats and do some work of all different kinds. Again, in what, whatever God has put in your life and heart to, to, to help and to be a worker, a fellow worker. Not all are called, like Timothy and Epaphroditus, to go from where their home is and to go out and, and live out there somewhere else. Not are all called to be missionaries, but we're all called somewhere and somehow to do some kind of work. That's why they call it work, right? It's work. Say, well, I don't know, work. It sounds like work to me. Well, yeah, it is work. It takes a little bit of work. It takes a little bit of effort when you go to work. If you sit around at your job and don't ever do the work that you're there getting paid to do, pretty soon you won't have a job, right? You'll be back at home smiling at each other. Well, I guess there won't be much smiling going on when you can't pay the bills. We gotta, we gotta understand. It's not just the relationship of family. It's also work, and it, and it, and it takes some effort. But then the third thing there too that is, is also a reality is that there is spiritual warfare that takes place, spiritual warfare that takes place, and we are fellow soldiers, and we're gonna have to fight the good fight. We can't just say, well, I don't want any, I don't want any warfare in my life. Well. You know what if you're born again if you're one of God's own you you will face warfare it's not it's there's no choice in the matter it's a reality of this life The only way you can guarantee not facing any warfare is being like I've been talking about just just staying home and not being willing to get involved in anything because the enemy says well you're not much of a threat you're not much of I don't have to really worry about that guy over there or that gal over there because they don't ever, they, they don't ever step up to do anything. They don't ever get involved anywhere. I don't have to worry about them. That's sad, though, isn't it? That's sad when you when you get to the end of life and your life, and you say, "Well, what well, you know? How did I really get involved? And what really counted in my life was it, you know, having that you know fancy car or that fancy house or..." or or whatever, or, or was it just the heart that was willing to, to serve and to work and to fight the good fight? David Guzik again, he said, Paul gave these important titles to Epaphroditus, and he was a man that Paul valued as a partner in the work of ministry. Brother speaks of a relationship to be enjoyed. Worker speaks of a job to be done. And soldier speaks of a battle to be fought. They're all three. They're all three. Yeah, we are brothers and sisters in and, and, and the faith and in the family, but we got work to do and we got battles to fight. We got battles to fight. But how much better it is when we fight together. Mm-hmm. Fellow soldiers, you know, if you're fighting a battle and you're all by yourself, you need to let someone know. Ask someone to pray for you. That's why we have people praying for, for, for you here after church. We have people praying before church. We have people praying on Wednesday night. If you need some prayer, you don't need to fight that fight all by yourself. You can get help. We, we, we want to help. We're in this thing together. Verse 26. For he longs. All of you, in his distress, because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Paul uh, said, and you notice here about Epaphroditus, we saw that that uh, Timothy had a genuine interest in their welfare, but Epaphroditus, who was from there. He also had this genuine interest, but he he was concerned about them. He had a heart for them. But what had happened was that he had gotten ill and he was worried about them because they were worried about him. He was worried about them because they were worried about him. Because they couldn't, you know, they didn't have telephones and text messaging and all that stuff to to let them know that, that he's okay. But they had heard that he was very ill. Ill to the point of almost dying, it says there. He was ill and almost died. He was ill and almost died. This is the guy, again, brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier. He, he was so sick that he got to the place where he almost died. Even though serving God can become sick? Is that right? Right? Aren't they immune? When you step up to be and to do what God call, calls you to do, doesn't that mean that nothing will ever happen negatively to you? Does that not protect us and make us immune? I, I guess not, because because Epaphroditus almost died. We We know that, you know... It says here that you know that God had mercy on him and not only on him but on Paul as well, that if he would have died, Paul would have faced sorrow, more sorrow. But Paul was used like to pray for people, right? And you know, you, you remember in, in Acts they, you know, would take like handkerchiefs and different things and crazy things. So, but we don't know exactly how Epaphroditus revived, but Even with Paul the Apostle, this guy that that God was using in incredible ways, people actually became sick and almost died. Even for the believer, these things can happen. Why is that? Why is that? We're not home yet. We're not home yet. We talked about that in chapter 1. We're not home yet. We're still in this world, and we still face the things of this world. And even for the believers, not all get well. That doesn't mean we don't pray for people. I'm sure they were praying for Epaphroditus. The people back in Philippi were praying for him. And Paul, I'm sure, was praying for him. Timothy as well, and, who, and the others that were there. And, and God had mercy. In this particular case, God, he became well. But you know what? They... It doesn't always happen that way. We have to leave it in you know, the sovereign uh, will of God. He's called us to pray, but ultimately it's, it's God's sovereign hand that we have to trust in. Even in cases like that, where people do die, sorrow is a very real thing. Paul said it here. He was human. He said, you know what, if Epaphroditus died died, you know, the sorrow that he would face would be unreal. When we lose people, there is a very, very real sorrow in this world, in this life. But God will comfort us, and God is the God of all comfort. Verse 28, Therefore I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I, have, and I may have less anxiety. Again, Paul was worried about the people there. Epaphroditus was worried about the people. Timothy was worried about the people. And if Paul could do anything to ease their worry, he would. Sometimes there's things we can do to help people not worry so much. And to ease their anxiety as well, Paul is saying it would ease my anxiety because then I'm not worrying about you, worrying about him. And, and there are things that we can do sometimes to help other people. Later in this letter, and this is in addition to what Paul would say later in the, le- in the letter in chapter 4, he says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, Present your requests to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We'll we'll get to that in chapter 4. So what he's saying is that you need to pray. But, you know, sometimes there's things we can do. And for in this particular situation, it was a good thing. Paul says, what I can do is send Epaphroditus back to you and that will ease your minds. It'll ease my mind and I'm not worrying about you see what I'm saying? There's, sometimes there's things we can do, and it's not always we just say, well, you need to pray more. And we'll quote Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, and say, just pray. You're anxious? You're all worried? Just pray. And that's what we say. But, but maybe there's something we need to do and help take their burden a little bit. You see what, you see what I'm saying? Don't just you know, pat them on the back and, and send them home and go pray about it. Brother, Well, what, what, what's worrying you? Let, let me see if maybe I can help out a little bit. You're worried about, you know, that situation you can't do it all. Well, maybe I can help you with that a little bit, some way, somehow. I don't know. It just made me think. Paul, you know, if he could ease that worry, he would, and as well as what he would say later in the letter. Verse 29, he says, Welcome him. Welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor men like him because he almost died for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up for the help that you could not give me. Welcome him in the Lord with great joy. Epaphroditus was going to go home and and Paul said it's okay to show a little bit of excitement when he came back you know and, and I think we sometimes we miss. Those opportunities, when, when someone who has been out serving comes back, we need to get excited and get behind them a little bit and encourage them a little bit. It, 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 you know, it's not always easy. I, know, I, I remember when we went out on the mission field and we came back to our church in, in California and, and you know, I don't even know if they knew who we were. And I know we had to learn some lessons through that as well, but but you know what? We we need to be able to encourage people and and lift them up and 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 show a little bit of excitement. God willing, you know when soldiers come back from deployment, we need to we need to be there and, and show them and, and be thankful for what they've done for for us and for our country and 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 and. Show a little bit of excitement, a little bit of joy. He says, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor men like him. It's not a bad thing to thank them and give them credit. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 16, he says, for they, and he's speaking about three different people, he says, for they refreshed my spirit and yours also. Such men deserve recognition. He talks about that in a few other places as well. It's not a bad thing to encourage people. Now, we can certainly take that to extremes and lift up people. But when someone is doing what God's called them to do, let's get behind them some way. Let's encourage them. And when they go out and they come back, let's say, oh, it's so good to see you. And, and tell us about what, what, what went on in your lives. He says there, because he almost died for the work of Christ. Risking his life to make up for the help that you could, get, could not give me. In other words, they, they couldn't come themselves, but, but they sent Epaphroditus on their behalf. But Epaphroditus, I just want to close with this thought about Epaphroditus. He wasn't just a spectator. This guy was not on the sidelines. He was in the battle. He was on the field. He had a heart like Paul's, and I think that's why Paul kind of spoke about, about him in such a way. He says he almost died for the work of Christ. Not for himself, but for the work of Christ. I want you to turn back with me to Acts chapter 20 and compare that with, with the heart of Paul. Acts chapter 20 Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts chapter 20 and verse 24. This is what Paul says and in, in the verse before he says, you know, that that he's being warned. That prison and hardships were facing him. He says in verse 24, though, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. He said, You know what? My life doesn't really matter. What really matters is that I may finish the race and do what God's called me to do complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. That's what we've been talking about today from from Ephesians chapter 2, those things that God has prepared for us in advance, uh, the things that God had called Timothy to do, the things that God had called Epaphroditus to do, being willing, even though there might be some risk, even though there might be a cost, even though there might be some danger that we might face. Speaking about this word, where it says they're risking his life. The word, um, Robertson, a Greek scholar, says that Paul uses here a gambler's phrase. He says Epaphroditus gambled with his life in the risk that he ran in coming to Rome, either from the Roman fever or Nero's wrath, or some unknown peril. There were risks that he had to take. You know, uh, to step out and to do what God's called us to do, it's not always going to be all, you know, spelled out and perfect. We're not going to know what's ahead of us. One other man said this about this word. He said the word is parabolusthi. I'm not pronouncing that correctly, but... He says it's a gambler's word and means to stake everything on a turn of the dice. Paul is saying that for the sake of Jesus Christ, Epaphroditus gambled his life. He gambled his life. In the days of the early church, and listen carefully, he said there was an association of men and women called the parabolani, the gamblers. And it was their aim To visit the prisoners and the sick, especially those who were ill with dangerous and infectious diseases. They were the gamblers. In AD 252, plague broke out in Carthage. And the heathen threw out the bodies of their dead and fled in terror. Cyprian, the Christian bishop, gathered his congregation together, set them to burying the dead, nursing the sick in that plague-stricken city. And by so doing, they saved the city at the risk of their own lives from destruction and desolation. He said there should be in the Christian an almost reckless courage which makes him ready to gamble with his life to serve Christ and people. That's pretty heavy, isn't it? How, much of, how, how many of us are ready to gamble our very lives to serve Jesus Christ? That's what Epaphroditus did, risking his life. One more quote it says, a distinct element in the joy of a Christian is the romance of the unknown. Faith, however strong, does not rule out the element of risk The whole scheme of redemption as a great adventure still beckons to all who will take their chances with God. A little bit of risk to take our chances and give our lives for God. Timothy, Epaphroditus, Paul, these were all examples of willing hearts. They were working out their salvation. They were all in for the gospel, no matter what the cost. They were family walking together. They were co-workers working together. And they were fellow soldiers fighting the good fight together. Where do you and I fit in? That's the question. It's a personal question. It's a question that you ask what God asks for you. Let me quote to you again verse 10 from Ephesians chapter 2. We are God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. What has He prepared for you and for me? And are we all in? Are we willing to take the risk? Let's pray together, shall we?